With it being Easter season, I felt it was a good time to go a little Da Vinci Code. Today, I will be the student as we take a quick look at female priests in the Catholic Church. Hello and welcome to InfoBlast, the quick history show about anything and everything. I am Nick Job, and today we have a special guest, author of Scandal in the Shadows, the original priest, Mother Mary. She has a master's degree in pastoral ministry, uh, is currently a Eucharistic minister, and is known as a modern-day David against Goliath, Margaret Mary O'Connor. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much, Nick. I'm glad to be here. Yes. Okay. So I don't exactly practice today. I was raised Catholic. Um, I went to private Catholic school for nine years. I went to church twice a week. Uh, and I do have still uh, an interest in religious history. So I'm really excited to speak with you today, as I had no idea about the history of female priests in the Catholic Church. Can you tell us a bit about your journey, how you came to be a, a minister, gain a passion for just this topic of female priests in general? Oh, yes. I grew up uh, back in the Catholic Church as a young girl back in the 1950s. And if there was one thing that was for sure was that, look, there were never any woman priests, basically, period. Mm -hmm. So as the years went on, I considered it rumors. I would hear that, you know, little bits and pieces that there were women priests, but yet, no matter what priest or associate priest I asked a pastor you know no that's that just isn't true so of course I got into the middle of my life and I thought I guess it's just the curiosity really got to me mm. so I started reading books and books and luckily uh, there are a number of great books out there now uh, one is the hidden history of woman priest in the catholic church by Gary Macy. And at the very beginning, he comes out with a quote that the first 1200 years, women were ordained in Christianity. Wow! And um, he went on to say that it really surprised him. And just as it surprised him, I'm sure any of your listeners hearing this as well will really be intrigued. So that definitely got my attention. And mm -hmm. it, it is a wonderful book on this actual history. And then there's another, uh, a former Catholic priest over in London, uh, John Vingegaards. And he has uh, the ordination of women in the Catholic Church. And he actually has uh, chapters regarding Mary. And... Oh. Again, remembering from the perspective that I'm coming from as a Catholic and always being told there were never women priests, mm -hmm. I started reading this one chapter and I got so excited. I threw the book up in the air. Then I quickly picked it up and I had to refocus. Did I just see what I saw? Well, beyond there being women uh deacons, bishops, and priests in the early history of our Catholic Church, the most famous woman priest was Mary, Mother of God. Wow. And she was called Mary Priest. And when I read it, too, I was thinking, wait a minute, 
I didn't remember anything about, well, first of all, I never heard this before, but you will wonder, well, how did she get ordained? And, you know, what really went on? And the Holy Spirit at her conception, she was given the same blessing as anointing that Jesus received. So after Jesus, she indeed is a high priest, the first priest after Jesus. You have that perspective, but then if you go back into history in 1854, the Catholic Church wanted to give the term immaculate conception to Mary. And in order for them to do that, they had to prove that she was a high priest. So they used tradition. They used Hebrews 7.26. Isn't it fitting that we have such a high priest? Hmm. But going back just to hearing that as a woman, I mean, it's just marvelous. Because one of the major things is by this history never coming out before for a woman where is our religious tradition like men over the centuries uh in one i happen to be irish uh, maybe let's say christopher was a priest uh ryan was a bishop but this went on generation after generation in your family you would have an example of someone and especially for any boy in the church well if you wanted like a role model or you wanted to, uh, uh, this would have been years ago, uh, you know, want to be a priest. Well, it was sort of set, but there was this familiar a family tradition. So that's the side with men. But let's look over here on this other side where the women are. Where were our role models? Well, yes, we had Mary, but of course, at that time, we had no idea that she was a woman priest. Mm-hmm. And then Mary Magdala, finally, it was in 1969 that they they corrected and they realized that she wasn't uh, a whore. But um, and now it, it's wonderful. Even they have a feast day for her, uh, July 22nd. Um, wow. So she is, you know, a, a model. But now we have two really great models when beyond Mary Magdala. We have Mary, Mother of God, and her title, and again, when you hear this title and think back to that definitive statement that there never were woman priests, her title was the model for all priesthood in the Catholic Church. And in fact, the priests would pray to her for like their success, you know, to be good priests. But it just, it brings a whole different perspective, you know, into this picture of woman priest. And for sure, it it makes sense too with, uh, you know, in in Catholicism, Mary is such a a highly important regarded figure, um, not necessarily in, in other denominations, but in Catholicism, Mary is extremely important. So for Mary to be considered the first priest, it makes a lot of sense why, you know, beyond the fact that, you know, she's the the mother of Jesus, why she's so high regarded amongst uh, the religion. Oh, definitely. And it's wonderful for young girls, because this would definitely be an exciting role model for them to have. 
But this John Vinchgaards also went further. And um, I've seen a, a, in a book a picture of uh, Mary dressed like in priestly garb. And it just gives you a whole different perspective because basically we've only seen this one side of Mary and there's nothing wrong with that, but there is, if there's this whole other side to her that no one else basically knows about, Mm -hmm. there's this hidden history within the shadows of our church. Literally. I just find it, you know, so exciting, but Going back to 1903, there was a Pope, Leo Thirteenth, and at that time, uh, the Holy See would allow a painting of Mary, Mother of God, in priestly uh, vestments to be hung on the wall. But let's skip ahead to 1913. Then you can see things are changing. This, all of a sudden, was no longer allowed. Okay. Then jump ahead to uh, 1926-27. And again, it's pretty exciting considering uh, 2,000 years of church history. Mm -hmm. Mary's title of Mary Priest, well, this wasn't exciting. It was completely removed. The church fathers decided we are no longer going to have any more devotion to Mary Priest. So that title was removed, and there was like a little write-up, say, in the Roman newspaper. And this one Roman official is talking to whoever the man was that, you know, did the article. And basically, in so many words, isn't it well that you handled this question the right way? And it's better that this question be put to sleep. They're referring to Mary, mother of God, is a question. And I I really found that, you know, very derogatory, to say the least. And I stepped back and I thought, (laughs) what were these men thinking of? I mean, removing a title from Jesus's mother. I mean, seriously. But again, it's mind-blowing to think back Well, I know things have progressed so much in our lifetimes, but, you know, my mother was alive in 1927. My grandmother was alive and they uh, never heard anything about Mary and this title, you know, being removed from her. Mm -hmm. So why, why did they remove this title? Well, John Vinchgaard brought up something really interesting he said, well, maybe it's a coincidence, but during this same time frame, you had women from other faith denominations mm-hmm. that wanted as well to be woman priest. Mm-hmm. So um, all I can think of is it's something like, what is it, out of mind, out of sight, you know, out of sight, yeah. out of mind. Maybe that was, you know, the perspective from they were right. getting nervous. I don't know. Yeah, I, uh, you know, most religions just historically, uh, and I guess because religion has always had such a major role in society, uh, so societies as well, that, you know, haven't treated women the best, um, (laughs) (laughs) you know, put it mildly. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, um, you know, and especially in such a large male dominated setting, you know, of course, equality, social change, that that's a big play 
uh, and why women would want to be priests. But is there anything else you feel is a strong reason women should fight the church like in this way? Well, the Catholic Church, if you go back, they had five specific points that they will use, biblical points, of why a woman um, just can't be a priest. And um, biblical research has shown behind all of these five points, it's basically they're not biblical at all. It's cultural prejudice. And they go back to the idea that women weren't made in the image of God. And like back way back in the, you know, the Roman era, of course, unless a woman had money, they, they basically were looked upon as nothing Mm -hmm. and and treated as such. So uh, these men just couldn't see in any way they had basically dominion over women to begin with. Oh, I mean, how can you say that a woman, you know, was made in the image of God, they're made, men are made in the image of God. And then the next one was where Paul had said the woman shouldn't be teaching. But it was interesting. There was a common law at that time. And they looked upon woman as being so feeble-minded and emotionally distraught. Like, you can't have a woman out there <laughs> out in the public teaching. And believe it or not, this common law found that this particular ailment, if you will, was was more common in women than men. And then, um, of course, woman was believed to carry the punishment of Eve's sin. Mm -hmm. And this one goes way back to uh, Genesis. And um, obviously, if a woman is seen to carry sin, she's not the most stellar candidate for the priesthood. But miraculously, there was a group of perfect candidates and they were the men. Okay, and then we move on. We've all heard that Jesus uh, picked um, the 12 um, men and he never like picked a woman. Well, John Vinsgaard brought out at the time that Jesus was alive, this was a bit, Israel was very patristic in nature. And there was no way it would fly if he ever uh, picked 12 women to represent the 12 tribes uh, over in Israel. He he would have been run over some cliff. And then finally, the idea that Jesus was a man. So obviously, uh, on the altar at the consecration, you have to have a man there. You couldn't have a woman doing such matters. But again, these are noted as being biblical in nature, where it's basically all uh, cultural prejudice. But then, Nick, if you move ahead, this is really shocking. And again, it's not that long ago, 1976. The Pope has his own uh, biblical commission, pontifical biblical commission. And they actually looked into the question of women being priests. This commission came out with the findings that there is absolutely no biblical reason to prevent a woman from being ordained. Well, hello, that was 1976. Now, skip back two years before that, 74. And it was very interesting. They had looked in as well to the question of woman being uh, 
deacon and deacons, deaconesses. And if they would have only followed what they found then, there would have been no need for Pope Francis back in 2016 to originally convene this whole new process of looking into that question. But when they did back in the seventies, um, there were three Greek studies and they were all in agreement and uh, the ordination for a man and a woman was the same. They were on the altar. They were in the presence of a bishop and the bishop would, you know, lay his hands over them officiating in prayer. And then each received a stole that went around their neck. And as well, they received the chalice to drink from. And again, women were called deaconesses. So we have that point. We have the other point that there's no biblical reason why a woman can't, you know, be ordained. And then you, we mentioned before about the equality of women in the church. Uh, Vatican II had this Article 29 in the, um, there were several constitutions in Vatican II, and there was one on the church in the modern world. And Vatican II specifically said they wanted to eliminate all types of prejudice prejudice well obviously that would as well include sexual prejudice right well hello uh (laughs) this hasn't been uh filed so i guess to me there's a stunning uh portrait here of all these findings whether it's from commissions or coming out of the teaching of vatican ii um nothing is being filed and yet the same pronouncements are saying that again, there never were woman priests and we just can't have this uh, ordination and beyond uh, woman priests, bishops and deacons, there were woman apostles and that is going beyond Mary Magdala. So let me just throw in this other point. There was a woman researcher, Ida Ramming, And she found out about this concept of apostleship. Okay, what it basically meant was, who is an apostle? An apostle is anyone that is divinely and solemnly sent out, either by a particular community or by the risen one himself. Now, the reason I'm bringing up this point is, this means there's were woman apostles as well that were out on the roads. And it gives more credence uh, when you hear names like Susanna, um, like uh, Nino, like um, the Samaritan woman. Um, and the latest finding was they believe this name Junia was always a man in biblical research has shown that it is indeed a woman apostle. And what when I say biblical research, because so many times when I pick it, people obviously will ask me, because let's face it, we, we don't find this any of this in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So when I say, well, no, you, you can't find it in the Bible, it comes from biblical research. And what I mean by that is um, the scientific study, like archaeology, looks into the study of monuments and artifacts. 
And then you have um, another study, the name eludes me now, but it's um, basically looking at the study of the inscriptions and like the monuments. And then, of course, the coins would, no matter what age it is, would show whatever, you know, information. Mm -hmm. But then the papyrus looking into the uh, early uh, writings. So this is what I mean by um, biblical research. And all of this really, you know, I guess what I'm thinking of, um, you probably remember when they went down in that little, um, I call it like a little mini submarine, that vehicle that goes way down and can take pictures below yes. the water. Remember when they reached the Titanic and there was like a National Geographic picture and when they put the lights on and it was just something to see the allure of there is the Titanic. Yeah. But then, of course, when you saw the artifacts strewn, I mean, just the personal everyday artifacts, glasses, um, tableware, shoes, it, it took on more of a, a personal nature. But this definitively explained uh, what happened and how the ship itself broke apart in different ways. Mm -hmm. Well, Obviously, with the woman priest and that, we're not seeing something that dramatic. But in a sense, we are uh, peeling back a whole new perspective of information on woman priests. We're seeing their names actually inscribed on the monuments. We're so, seeing from writings what they did. Uh, I was just going to say that that brings to mind another question, which, you know, I know Christianity in general has had some of the, you know, dirtiest hands within religions historically. So there's a lot they'd like to have people forget or not think about. So why this one? Why? I mean, I, I, I understand uh, there, there's a lot of uh, like misogyny built in to this. Um, oh, why, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Why, why is it is do you think there's anything beyond that? that um, the why the church is really going against women priests well that misogyny as you said is built in you go way back to the roman era and mm -hmm. um this john vinsgaard said that roman law of course roman time let's face it they had all the money the big troops you know they oh, yeah. the people okay well let's look at their civil law well unfortunately to woman, that civil law was just horrendous. Mm -hmm. But here's the kicker. John uh, Vinsgaard said, the Latin-speaking theologians took that Roman law and they shaped it into the Catholic church law. Mm. So now if you have these same theologians that are living in that same culture, already there's like an inbuilt um it's a church and state a, not a being separated yeah yeah you know like there's 10 strikes already against women so it started there then you had like the early church fathers and they were really upset there was um a pope Gelasius in 496 and he found out that there were women that were uh, officiating on the altar, you know, like during the consecration, and as well um, giving out communion. 
So he basically had to write letters to his bishops and telling them that they are no longer allowed, you know, to allow this because these women are imputed to be doing this and that and things only for the male sex. So there is like evidence. Why would he ever have to write these letters if women Mm -hmm. weren't actually, you know, in those positions? I wonder too, if, uh, you know, I know a lot of, uh, pagan religions had female, like had priestesses and things like that. And I wonder if the control over converting and, you know, kind of trying to kind of squash that ideal had a play in that as well. It's just, um, definitely very vehement feelings and Mm -hmm. uh, going back into the early middle ages, what happened was you had canon lawyers and theologians basically started coming out and saying, look at women were never ordained, but yet the council of Chalcedon thought they were ordained (laughs) and uh, there was the council of orange and they were very upset because they heard about deacons so there was like this counter interplay you had the woman actually in these rows and then you'd have the officials hearing about this so the more that they complain gives us more credence that in fact women were in these positions and um Gary Macy had said to the question, were women ordained? Well, he said, yes. Uh, Women had a foul, like uh, canonical requirements. There were specific rights, R-I-T-E-S, that women had a foul for ordination, just as vice versa, the men had a foul, these rights. They had a foul, the canonical uh, requirements. And they actually had... Uh, listings of orders like you know they'll have like the orders for the uh, male priest they had the same thing for the woman priest and these lists were made up not only by bishops but they were as well made up by popes Gary Macy said back in the early middle ages at that time uh, women were as much uh, ordained as any uh, ordained deacon or priest was And in fact, they had the abbeys in charge of like the convents. They as well um, were like considered bishops. So it's very interesting. You know, you look back and you find like, I call them colonels. And then you see this trail. (laughs) But again, getting back to specifically, I don't know if it's an idea that men would be losing their power because Anytime mm-hmm. a woman brings up the idea of being a woman pri- priest, well, it's about they want the power. But what, whatever happened to seriously, just looking at it from the spiritual perspective, mm-hmm. uh, any man can get a, a spiritual call from God and, you know, go on to become a priest. Well, here we go again. What about on this side? Here's, <laughs> here's the woman. And especially if you're in the Catholic Church, we would receive a spiritual call. Well, in so many words, too bad. You know, forget about it. It's like you have to be a a nun or nothing kind of thing. Yes. And then I thought, even for the sisters, isn't it so sad? Mm -hmm. I mean, they're more than qualified to be priest. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, So is... 
you know, we, we talked about your book at the beginning. What what got you wanting to kind of take on the Catholic Church in full book form? When I first heard about this, I was it, it, I was rather upset because uh, I had been misinformed for years. Oh, yeah. And that did that really hit a nerve. I thought I got, I have to do something because um, this, first of all, I, I just, my conscience, it isn't right. And then secondly, there's so uh, few women that know about this truth. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm talking about now, if we go into just the United States, millions of Catholic women, let alone men have never heard of this. Well, then let's take it over into Europe. Let's take it into Australia, into Ireland, into Asia. Uh, And this is such a wonderful uh, truth that uh, I just believe it it shouldn't be still buried. And if at any time in our church history, uh, our church really needs a shot in the arm. And now with this awful priest shortage, woman priest would help to begin in some respect to fill this awful gap. So what do you think it would take to kind of get this, you know, thread of history turned around? Like what's the stone David has to throw for the Catholic church to get it through their head? Sorry, bubble puns. Uh, But uh like, how do we start getting more women priests kind of in the game? Well, I'm doing like, in, in this respect is like a grassroots thing, because mm-hmm. I'm the listeners, I'm, you know, asking them, spread this word, spread it to the rest of your family, to your friends, to your neighbors. Advocate. And I believe until the average everyday Catholic, the people sitting out in the pews, the laity, until they understand the actual truth of this. But let's face it, if I ask most women today, who's uh, who's Leah, who's Kale, they're going to look at me like <laughs> Flavia Vitale. Who <laughs> no, you know, are you talking about? These were early woman priests. Mm-hmm. But even if they learn this information at first still it 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 really it's not going to mean anything to them because they haven't seen woman priest up on the altar they don't have that personal connection they don't have that personal connection but first i really believe if the catholics out there find out about this misinformation they've been misinformed and then hopefully that they will have the incentive to start asking even the respect of the Catholic church back in 76 saying there's no biblical reason why women can't be ordained. Can you imagine if every Catholic in the United States all across the world would just send a postcard to Rome mm-hmm. asking St. Francis, why we have to bring this issue and make it of importance because right now in Rome, as far as the hierarchy goes, the issue of any woman's inequality in the church today, it's not even on their radar. Now, doesn't that say volumes? So they really don't have any incentive, you know, to 
to move on it until mm-hmm. I believe they're really forced by the lady. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. They're a grassroots advocation. Uh, you know, that's, that's essentially what we're doing today. And I uh, hope this podcast helps spread, you know, your word for you. And I, I don't, do you have anything else before uh, we wrap up that we haven't gotten to yet? Oh, can I just give the uh, listeners my website? Oh, for sure. Go ahead. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, my website is, and thank you, by the way, is yourradicaltruth.com. Yourradicaltruth.com. I do have a petition there, and it is asking Pope Francis uh, to bring back uh, the title for Mary, Mother of God, as the model for all priesthood in the Catholic Church. Uh, to have her her picture being uh, brought back as a woman priest. And if the listeners are interested, you know, just look at it. And if it strikes something, I would really appreciate your signature. And um, I don't feel this is radical because this is the truth. It's been proven through biblical research. Mm -hmm. And I, I just want any Catholic to realize there's a whole new exciting other side of our catholic church uh that so many don't know about all right uh well i want to thank you margaret mary for coming on the show today um this was incredibly interesting uh and i hope and think our listeners will really enjoy learning about it as well so uh thank thank you yeah thank you again and uh until next time this has been InfoBlast. Hi, guys. I'm Bubba Wheat. And I am Rob Branch. And we are coming at you with a new podcast called Lyrical Innuendo, where we have every episode ask the question that is the most important question in music, and that is... Is this song about sex? Mm. So you can find us at rabbitholepodcast.com on Anchor or Stitcher. Yeah, that sounds good. So why don't you just sit down, pop a Viagra, and um, make sure to swallow, because this is going to get deep. Copyright 2022 Rabbit Hole Podcasts, rabbitholepodcast.com.